You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Always Draft Season podcast, part of the Backnet Podcast Network. Jake Shavink here. The audio might sound a little bit different uh, today for you guys on this Friday. Um, had to do a little bit of change of recording. PC is acting up a little bit, so we're on a different mic this go-around. Hope the audio is all right. But it's been a little while, so there's plenty to talk about uh, for sure in terms of the NFL draft. And we're going to talk a-, a lot about teams today a little bit more. We'll get into the Packers, of course, but there's a lot to get to. I want to talk about some divisive prospects at this point in the process I want to go through the top 10 of the NFL draft order again and just give a take on every team in the top 10 currently. Uh, We'll go through that at some point, and then I'm going to offer some stuff up at the end. And we just want to talk about, I think, the Packers as a whole, where they could go, what the direction is going to look like, kind of what I think might go down if they make the playoffs, which, again, they got a boost tonight. Uh, from the Seahawks losing uh, to the 49ers. 49ers clinched the division. They're in. But if not, then we'll kind of talk different scenarios. So I'm going to go through a couple of scenarios with the Packers, of course. But let's let's kind of start, I think, in, in the best way possible. I think we should talk about a couple divisive prospects right now, and they're names that you haven't – that you've definitely heard of to this point Uh I think the first one we want to talk about is Anthony Richardson, who did declare for the NFL draft a couple weeks ago. Obviously, the declarations are rolling in now. You're seeing some guys transfer. Uh, obviously, there's some that will return, but I, Anthony Richardson's a big name right now in terms of a guy who's declaring, who many thought maybe, maybe not. Some probably thought, oh, yeah, he's going to go back for another year at Florida, you know, hone the game a little bit. And I think, again, it makes it makes a lot of sense for him to go back. But at the same time, think about this. Like, he, he's 21. Would you trust him in a college offense, or would you want to get him into an NFL offense now and let him work out what he needs to work out, right? So I, the NFL, I think, in any way, I think with him, it was, again, take a leap next season to potentially contend with a few guys at the top, which I think there are a couple who are going to make leaps as well. So it would have been a hotly contested class. This one, not as much as next year's, it seems. So I think he has a chance to challenge for, you know, maybe QB2, QB3 off the board. I would not rule any of that out. 
There's a lot of draft process to go through to the point where, you know, these quarterbacks could get a lot of jumbled. And I think we're going to be talking about that a little bit later. But want to talk about Anthony Richardson a little bit. Obviously, the completion percentage thing is is very, very damning, it, it, to use the best word, pardon language. But like, yeah, those numbers are not great. Now he has had, there's been drop issues. But again, there's been a lot of wide missed throws, especially going to his left. Um, and you'll see that in these completion numbers. He he does throw a lot between the numbers, but you'll notice the numbers really trail off moving left. Uh, the attempts are similar, but you definitely see much more of a drop-off in terms of accuracy, in terms of on-target footballs that way. And again, stuff just sails on him because it's still, there's footwork, you know, he's a rotational thrower. We have to mirror footwork with, with that rotation. When that's off, you're going to see accuracy issues. And that's definitely something we've seen this year. So what makes him divisive is the accuracy, right? That's 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 the whole thing. And and that's that's where that conversation of tools is going to come up throughout the process. You're going to hear, you know, people talk about that, again all the potential that he has, all the tools, the rushing ability that he has, but but failed to kind of bring up the fact that yeah, this guy has accuracy issues and there's some, you know, decision making problems as well. So there's a lot to go through with him. Uh, And when you're looking at Richardson as a whole, just, you know, if we're talking to every level of the field behind the line of scrimmage, you know, we're seeing 80% completion, which that's still pretty low considering Uh, for there. You see, obviously, uh, when you look at PFF, a grade of 72, he's completed, again, 51 of 88 in that zero to nine yard range. Uh, 58%, that is really low, uh, and four turnover-worthy plays in that area. Again, that's when you're looking at behind line of scrimmage and short passing, those are not great numbers to have. 60% on the intermediate, that's pretty good overall. Four touchdowns, two picks. Going back, you have four touchdowns, five picks. Uh, and that short area, notice five picks and four turnover-worthy plays. That's something of note. Tells you that he's kind of had some bad luck with interceptions there, but Six turnover-worthy plays, only two picks to the 10 to 19-yard area of the field. The intermediate area, it's still better than what he's doing behind line of scrimmage and short. Deep passing, though, 40% completion, nine touchdowns, two picks, 17 big-time throws. That is of, of 26, by the way. That big-time throw percentage is very high, uh, even if you're looking at big-time throw percentage in terms of attempts. So 17 of 64, very, very good number there. A hair over 25%. Uh, or not even. It's more than that, actually. Yeah, it's more than 25%. Um, but again, he he's he's looked good deep down the field. He flicks the wrist. The velocity's easy. There's pretty good touch on the ball. He gets good air under it. So why is that decisive? Well, again, I think this comes down to, you know, maybe an outdated view of what quarterbacks should be. And I remember we were talking about this there was something I brought up back in the summer when it was kind of like, all right, what do we kind of want to talk about rookies, blah, 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 is that the, the idea of the quarterback is certainly changing. A lot of people have, have written some good stuff about this. Ben Solak wrote about it, about Sam Ellinger and why the Colts were starting him. Uh, Zach Hicks from SI Colts wrote something about this as well. Just the, the movement and the, the evolution of quarterback to being able to scramble and scramble turns into positive EPA per plays, 
Like you're better off doing that than being a statue in the pocket. We're going to be talking about CJ Stroud plenty as we get to the draft. That's somebody who's again he he plays within the pocket, but when he scrambles, he's he's not very effective, and that's something that the league is trending to. When you can be a, a good scrambler, a good runner, you're a force multiplier in the run game. There's there's a lot you can do. Anthony Richardson certainly provides that. You know he's going to be that force multiplier in the run game. He's a big dude, six four two thirty. That's big running the football. And again, when you have the 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 velocity you can generate and and all the big time throws he's put on tape this year, and I think. What you've seen is he had real real success in the Utah game, won that game. You saw him tail off. But I think that back half of the season, you've seen market improvement from him. And that's, again, something where, you know, that, that gives you hope. It gives you promise. Because Kentucky and South Florida, the games were pretty putrid uh, overall. But you see him, again, string together better games. Pretty pretty good game against against LSU. 76 grade, 85 against Texas A&M, 84 against Vanderbilt, 72 against South Carolina, 68 and a half against Florida State. Not the best, but again, that, that was a tougher team. And he kind of, there was a little bit more past the test there. But again, when you look at the raw numbers, it's concerning. Of course it is, right? He completed 53% of his passes this year, 17 touchdowns, nine picks. In that game against Florida State that was just mentioned, nine of 27 passing. Now, for 199 yards, it's 7.4 yards per attempt. Not bad. Three touchdowns. So, you know, he's put big-time throws out there. The issue is is accuracy and turnover-worthy plays. And and when everything is a tick off with him mechanically, you see those problems persist. So it makes it a little bit difficult when you're projecting him because you see what the ceiling is. And you see the ceiling that's probably higher than Anybody else in the class, really? I mean, higher than Levis, who's, who's obviously 24, you know, but obviously he has a lot of tools that NFL teams are going to like. Bryce Young has a, a pretty capped ceiling, but he's a really, really good player already. And CJ Stroud's ceiling is pretty capped, too, because he's just not a scrambler. He's not a creator. That was something we were talking about in the summer where it was like, eh, can he do this? We haven't really seen it outside of a, a few plays here and there. So Anthony Richardson has that ceiling. It's just a question of where is he going to get picked. It, it feels like top five is is very much stretching it at this point, unless the Lions are willing to kind of adjust their offense early on. I mean, it could happen. There's a chance that Ben Johnson's getting head coaching looks in, in a lot of places very very soon. So we'll see. But like I, I, I'm, you're thinking more of, you know, can the Colts really tear this down and run this thing? You know, you you have a guy with a little bit of accuracy issues, you know, on target issues, and you have two big catch radius guys in Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce who can who can really help you out in that regard. Jelani Woods, you know, Moelle Cox, like there are guys that are going to expand the target zone for him and and help him get along. And he's got Jonathan Taylor there to help him out. So that's that's like, I mean, that's a pretty good landing spot. Carolina would be an interesting one, depending on who they would you know hire and if they're hiring a defensive guy who's coming in on offense. So there, there's a lot to go into that, but I don't, I don't think we're looking at Richardson as a top five pick, but it's, it's going to be very difficult. I think to keep him out of the first round. And I think that's what makes him such a, such a divisive player, because I do think there are going to be those that are going to be turned off because the accuracy is bad. Now I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, 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 you know, be a hypocrite in the fact that I'm, I'm thinking, okay, tools, you know, he can, he can pull this off. You know, we're going to see, you know, another Josh Allen developer, another Jalen Hurts develop. Again, Richardson might be one of one in that regard, but like, are we going to give him benefit of doubt and not Will Levis, you know, who's 
had some issues transitioning into 2022, you know, and, and, you know, oh, we're not going to give him the benefit of the doubt, right, either that he could develop. Well, I mean, he is three years older. That's one thing I think that kind of separates that and makes it less hypocritical to say. But, like, Richardson has time to grow, and I feel like we've seen what Will Levis is. So maybe that's where I see the difference at this point. But, again, we'll see. Anthony Richardson, we're going to be talking about this guy a lot. I'm going to be charting a lot of his throws, you know, in the coming weeks here. Just to, just to give an idea of where we're at, and that's something we'll obviously be presenting here on the pod, so make sure you're following for that. I, I want to get to one other guy, and it's a big name, and I promise we're going to go much more in-depth with a lot of these guys. I, there's several shows I have planned going forward, um, but I want to talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba for a second here and just where we see him, what happened with the fall. You know, do, do we... Did we hype him up too much? The answer is probably yes, but like divisive prospect in the fact that he was extremely productive, right? That's not divisive. That is fact. Uh, A a 90 plus catch, 1600 yard plus dozen touchdown season is very, very good. Like we've seen how effective he is and do that type of production, whether you, whether you're like, you know, an an analytics person or a target share truther or not, like you have to, I think you, you, we, we always give guys some passes and it's fair to sometimes give them passes, right. For guys who have been in offenses with extremely talented players, right. When you look at, you know, Alabama and Ohio state over previous years, we're like, Oh, he didn't really get a chance. And, you know, we, we, just haven't been able to to see this guy and then he has the one year of production that's like okay well is that one year you know why couldn't he produce with other guys in the, in the system so but why are we giving that to smith and jigbo well it's because he played in the slot a lot right and 88 percent of his snaps being in the slot that's you know you look at it and you go okay well can he play on the outside well that's that is the question isn't it the million dollar question that some some evaluators are gonna have to talk them into i i just don't think though and I do think we're going to see this, and this is something that we should talk about, especially with this class, because there's a lot of them. The evolution of the slot receiver as well, I think, is going to be something we're going to be talking a lot more about. And I think Cooper Cup and now Amon Ross St. Brown have kind of changed the mold of like what a slot receiver is. Can they be the most productive? Can they be the most gravitational in terms of earning targets and funneling targets their way. Like, can they be the focal point, even if they're in the slot? And I think we've seen that that is a possibility. And that, that gives you hope with guys like, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jordan Addison and Josh Downs, right? Those type of players that, okay, you know, are we going to take these guys first round? Sure. Like I, you know, I don't think Smith and Jigba escapes the first round. I, I don't think, and again, if he sat out, is he going higher than that? Absolutely. I think he'll, he would have been top 15 if he just didn't play another down after after that Rose Bowl game, right? But again, it's, you know, tried to come back, tried to put together another productive season. It just didn't work out. Sometimes that happens. But I do think he'll still be a first-round pick because, again, like I mentioned, I mean, you're you're a 1,600-yard receiver, and and, you know, it just again injuries. He battled it all year. He's not going to play in the playoff. Like it's fine. Get healthy. So the the question right that makes him divisive though is 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 he going to be able to play on the outside? And and I've already kind of said that that's maybe not possible. 
However, again, when you look at you know what he brings to the release game, how he can set up routes later in the game based on what DBs have seen from him previously. There's a rep against Oregon last year where you know Smith and Jigba is, is in a tight look and you know on tight look on the on the hash that that towards the play side of the of the of the formation and you know he's 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 starting outside leverage he's he's trying to bait the defender into think he's running a slant works out perfectly the stutter and he's gone and he scores on a little seam route from the slot and that's the type of damage he can do he, he's very smooth but he's just a a detailed route runner in in how he attacks leverage how he can set up defenders how he can man- manipulate space to his advantage he's he's great at finding holes in zone just a couple great reps in the Utah game in the Rose Bowl of him being able to just leverage step inside, sell back outside, win the slant because he's moving the defender. You can see the defender shuffle on multiple occasions inside then out. Oh, I've created the window for him. And and you see Smith and Jigba do a great job of leverage attacking. You see him, you know, on seam routes against cover two. He's, he's bending those routes off. He's finding the hole in zone. And then he just has great instincts and feel post catch. The stiff arm has has given him the ability to create after contact, create those extra yards once the ball's in his hands. And I think he's got great fuel with his footwork as well, knowing where defenders are at, you know, being very spatially aware and being able to set up his feet in the direction he wants to go. He can manipulate guys. The the knock with him is, and the, I think it's one of the only things, because I think he's a really solid catch point player as well. And he's probably why he's going to be, I find it hard to believe he's not going to be a top two receiver for me just based on, you know, where the talent is in this class. It feels like, you know, we're not going to have these Garrett Wilson types. He might be the closest thing in terms of winning as a route runner to this point, him and him and Jordan Addison, and then probably downs as well. But like those guys, they're going to be labeled as slots and, and you know what, they're going to be darn good at it. And I think Smith and Jigba can earn reps at Z as well as the slot. But I, I think, the lack of explosiveness is going to hurt him. Hopefully he runs sub four, six. That's the one I think thing that could be very, very concerning is if he doesn't run sub four, six, now you're getting to some really bad territory where you better hope he's Keenan Allen. You better hope he's Keenan Allen, but you, but you notice that, right. And like T Higgins didn't run very well. And, and there were guys that didn't run very well that perform well. I just hope that Ohio state has gotten these guys that have maybe not looked the most explosive. I, I just didn't feel like, to me, anyway, that that Garrett Wilson was going to run under a four four. That seemed wild to me. They've gotten their guys into the position to to make it happen, and that's that's good for them. Uh, hopefully, he trains to the point where he's going to run a good forty time, and, and that we're going to seal that up and and not worry about it ever again because we shouldn't because he's just he's very detailed as a player, and he's very exciting. And and the the idea of the souped up slot who can play a little bit of Z that's him because. There isn't a phase where he's really not. There isn't a phase where he struggles. It's just, and, and it factors into my eval quite a bit. Explosiveness certainly matters, right? It certainly matters. It's just a question of like, can you hide it well enough to the point where you're good in a lot of areas that can render that explosiveness a little bit useless. And that means kind of more being a a wide receiver one B and two rather than the alpha per se. But again, there are plenty of alphas that don't run fast, right? But Smith and Jigba to me 
how he plays, explosiveness is going to matter a little bit more. So that's just, again, he's going to be divisive. Some people have him as wide receiver one still. That's pretty cool. I think, again, in this class, I wouldn't disagree. He was up there at the beginning. It's just a question of how some people are going to see him. Some people are going to see him as a, as a wide receiver two. Some people have him at wide receiver one. I mean, wide receiver two in an offense, right? Some people have him tops in the class. He's going to be all over the place. I'm very excited to just kind of eval done. I'm almost done with him. I, I just see him as a great player, and and he's going to be in that mold of like, okay, you know, insert team here needs this souped up slot who can play Z and be a dominant route runner and be that short intermediate guy who can create chunk plays for you after the catch as well, because he's just he's he's that technically refined as a player. Stroud has talked about how good this guy is. So hopeful for him. Uh, he's going to be divisive. Packer fans are probably going to like him uh, because we have those explosive deep threats already. I, I wish that Brian Gutekunst would be in on this with Jackson Smith and Jigba because him in the slot would be outright fantastic for this offense. You have a middle field threat and you maybe add a tight end later in this draft, which is that is loaded. We're going to talk about all those guys coming up very soon, but like, get better in the middle of the field and green Bay is going to be in great shape. So it was good to talk about those two guys. Um, Let's, let's kind of take a break here. We'll come back with the top 10 and some takes on those guys and then finish up with some Packers thoughts. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, back here on the It's Always Draft Season podcast. Uh, so I want to talk and give some takes because I think it's, it's, it's a fun time of year where I know there are some teams that are going to be in this top 10 that are thinking postseason. That's fine. Uh, hopefully some of y'all find this and we'll keep it interesting, but at, at the top Houston Texans, they're one eleven and one, their team is just bad. Uh, they just don't have a lot of talent there in a lot of places. I'm hoping that. In in some order, one twelve and like thirty two, because yeah, the the Dolphins forfeit a pick, so it's thirty one first round picks. 
at pick 32. Like I hope that they kind of go quarterback receiver and then defensive line and just kind of continue to build because they just need good players. I hope they go in that order, but like if good players fall, just draft the good players because I, I think there's enough for them to, to fill the foundation. Like like Stingley and Petrie are going to be solid players at the very least. Petrie needs to work on tackling Stingley the same, but I think that they're going to be parts in the secondary that they need to have. Again, they drafted Christian Harris. And I'm not huge on him. I think he was much more run and chase than anything. He need, they need a true Mike at the position. You know, Drew Sanders, somebody like Noah Sewell, should he declare? Like, there's there's guys that can fill that role. Jack Campbell would be a great one for them. So, like, I don't think they should be done there. Their defensive line, they got to add some juice, which is why I'm going to come to this take. I think let's I, – I think Houston won't take Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud at the at, with the first pick. I think they're going to have it. I think they're going to make the selection. And I do think that means that – it's going to be personally. This is what I think. I think Houston at one is either going to take Will Anderson and be aggressive moving up from pick twelve to get a quarterback because they're going to be able to. I think uh, they have enough assets to do that. I don't know why you wouldn't get your guy, but again, if you have knowledge of the board, maybe this is what Houston does. They get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, and then they go get their quarterback as swiftly as possible. The Bears will be a trade up target for sure. I think Arizona could potentially be one. I think Philly, especially if say, say Chicago doesn't trade back and Seattle and, and Chicago take the top two defenders or one of the two, if Houston's taking, I guess if Houston's taking Anderson, Chicago or Seattle could get Carter. Philly doesn't want anybody not named those two at five moving back, right? And that's where Houston comes up because there will be quarterbacks still available. Or Houston's going to outright take Will Levis with the first overall pick. Now, I know I just spent some time kind of talking about like why I'm not buying in. It doesn't matter what I think at the end of the day, right? Like it kind of doesn't like I'm going to give you my take and it might be right. That's cool. But like if the NFL is is where we think they are in terms of where they view Will Levis, he's going to be gone in the top five picks. And that that I just don't think that's going away. I think he's going to show up to the senior bowl. I think again, execs and scouts are going to like him they're going to like the attitude the temperament how he plays and you're going to watch the ball jump out of his arm out of his hand and and they're going to be really excited about him so they're going to watch him throw on air at the combine they're going to be enthralled with that for some reason right they're going to watch him at the pro day throw it against air and they're going to be really enthralled with it that's just how it's going to go so somebody's going to do it i don't know who but i think houston's probably going to be that team at one I think it's Will Anderson or it's Will Levis. That's my guess right now for Houston Texans. That is the take. Seattle at two. I mean, there's not much of a take here. I think, you know, if you're Seattle, you have two first round picks. Uh, Good chance. I think at this point right now, Seattle sitting at seven and seven that they're going to play the Chiefs and Jets the next two weeks. I have a feeling they're not going to make the playoffs. So you're probably looking at a top 18 pick with your second first rounder as well. Um, now they could go quarterback. That's, that's entirely possible. They might like Will Levis as well. Don't rule that out either. Um, but again, I think they're going to keep it simple. I think really with their two picks, I'm going to include where they're at right now, 16 with two, uh, 
they should take two front seven players and get that run defense fixed. It would be great to land, honestly, just Jalen Carter and someone like Jared Verse or somebody who's maybe better defending the run. You know, maybe they want to go Will Anderson and they go, you know, somebody like Trenton Simpson at linebacker, play some overhang and they work on, you know, defensive tackle on day two. But like, they're going to address the defense and I think they're going to pay Geno Smith. So, the Seattle take isn't really that big of a take. It's just like, again, we're not really not trying to traverse through a mock draft necessarily, but like Seattle needs to fix the front seven and that's where they really should go uh, to if they're not trading out. I think they're going to give Geno Smith the extension uh, and they'll work from it, I think. And they've got young tackles. There's clearly enough confidence in the building that they're, they did the right thing with the rush trade. You know, they're getting a bunch of guys in there. If you get enough swings, you're going to hit. That's their philosophy right now. I don't hate it. I think I personally for Seattle, I would. But see, the problem is they're not going to like it because he doesn't play under center as much. But Bryce Young, I would take Bryce Young first. And I, I, I guess I didn't say that for Houston, but I would take him first. And. I don't think the NFL is going to do that when they realize he's like five ten and seven eighths, and he weighs like one hundred eighty six pounds. Write that, write that number down. See if it's right uh, by go time at the combine. And he may come in in the one nineties because he's been working out a little bit more. But I, I just don't. I'm not. I don't think he's six foot. So I would still take him first, though. So if Seattle, I, I would take Bryce Young if I were Seattle. But like, I think they're good with Geno Smith, which leads run defense. Get the front seven figured out, especially in the first round. Don't reach, but get guys you like. Chicago. Oh, man. I mean, like, they they should take the Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, who's ever left, right? But this is prime trade-out territory for Chicago, right? And I know Packers fans aren't going to want to hear about the Bears in the draft, and I understand, but this is what we do. I apologize. Uh, Chicago's in a decent position. Um, I know that's hard to hear. They're not in as good position as the Lions, in my opinion, who we're about to get to, right? And I don't know if they're – honestly, I don't know if Minnesota's in the greatest position because I just don't – again, they're they're 10-3. and Great. Sick. They're like – they might be worse than Green Bay's 2019 13-3 team. Like they might finish 13-3, and but they might be worse than that team. Um, Which, again, was Green Bay's 13-3 and team bad? No, not necessarily. Were they – did the winds overinflate what we thought? Probably a little bit. And I think that's where Minnesota's at. But anyway, try and circle back to the Bears. Trading out's the right call for them, I think, because again, you can you can hate on it if you want. I think the Braxton Jones pick was very good. I think he's shown enough to where he should get a shot at either tackle spot, but that does not mean they should be done at all. Moving back gives them the potential opportunity to get into Paris Johnson, Peter Skaronsky territory. I think the receiver room is okay. I don't like Chase Claypool that much, to be honest, as a player, just because, again, he's not winning at the catch point enough for me for a 6'4 guy, and I just don't like the route tree. They should be in on somebody like Xavier Hutchinson, though. And that's your possession move the chains receiver. If they want to go continue to add deep threats, and be, you know, dump and chuck type of team where it's like, all right, we're taking, you know, the advantage of the short stuff on the boots and all the all, all the pocket moves, that's fine. But when we're running and we're getting under play action, we're dumping it deep, then again, great. You're moving back in this draft and you're maybe getting Quentin Johnston then. 
So like the the move back should be to acquire Skaronsky Johnson or Johnston at receiver. So I think they're going to be in that boat. It's very hard for me to move off Anderson or Carter. But, but I understand the sentiment and I don't hate the idea of moving back because again, you got to build around fields. I know Packers fans like hate fields. It's fine. Whatever. Do what you got to do. Um, has fields shown enough yet? Not necessarily. No. Um, but is he better than anybody not named Trevor Lawrence in the class? Yeah. So they've, they've seen enough. Uh, they're not going to go quarterback. Uh, they're going to look to build. Is it the right call? I guess we'll see, but that's what they're going to do. Uh, Detroit Lions at four. I'll, I, I'm going to continue to beat this drum. They should take Bryce Young at four. They should. They absolutely should. I'm I'm worried they're going to make the playoffs and fall into the Jared Goff trap. But hopefully, for their sake, Goff has a little bit of a stinker this week in New York. If they lose that game, they're probably done. Maybe not. Nine and eight still possible for them. But a stinker like that would, I think, move them into a position where I think the Rams probably lose to the Packers. They're probably going to lose to the Chargers. I think they've got two other games that I don't remember on their schedule. I think one of them is, is I want to say one of them is Seattle at the end. So that's three of their four. But like they should be uh, maybe 5-12, and 12, I think, would could be where they finish. That's probably a top five pick. I think the Lions should take Bryce Young. I do. If not, I, I think then it, you get into a point where you're kind of in Seattle's boat, almost the same boat, basically. Like if you could get Carter at four, or you or you you you're thriving. You're thriving on defense. Carter and Alan McNeil, you have Hutchinson, you add somebody like Jared Verse who rushes the passer really well, or BJ Ojalari, right? Or Derek Hall, somebody like that who can get after the quarterback, play good run and, and be good run defense. That's probably like somebody like Hall. Uh, over the other two, but like, man, you get the front seven right in Detroit, and boy, are we humming. I think Jerry Jacobs and Jeffrey Cooter are good. They should probably still add a third guy. Secondary needs to be a priority as well, but like, not as much as the as the front seven. They need to get better there, like Seattle does. But like I said, I'm at four. I'm the Lions. We feel like we got pieces. This should not be hard. Take Bryce Young. Take him. Take him. That's my take on the Lions. Otherwise, if Bryce Young is gone. Square up that front seven. Get defense loaded up. You don't have to force corner, though. Um, Philadelphia Eagles at five. I got two takes. First take uh, is just take Bijan <laughs> um, at five. That's that's so dumb. Honestly, it, it would be the, the analytics heads are going to lose their minds if they do this. But I also think that they should do this. I mean, this is what what they like. Miles Sanders gonna be a free agent. Maybe he comes back. If he comes back, all right. Then we're we've moved off it completely. But like, man, why not add B. John Robinson to this offense? Uh, it's a three down back, great receiver. Like, oh my gosh, does this make everything much much harder for for everybody in the NFC and the NFL in general? Two, it's again Howie Roseman's gonna Howie Roseman. He's probably gonna move back. That's the take of what Philly probably does. Uh, it gets them still in the range of where corner feels good for them and edge feels good for them. I know they f- it feels like they're okay at edge. Robert Quintrait has not really panned out for them. Uh, they got to decide about like Derek Barnett. Brandon Graham's getting older. Like they've got Josh Sweat, but like Hassan Reddick, you know, is he good enough to be kind of a, 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 put that hand in the dirt defensive end type? Not really. They've been rushing him a lot. They've been dropping him a lot. Like it feels like where Miles Murphy should go. 
if they stick, but I just knowing Roseman, that feels like the trade back. Oh, number six. Wouldn't it be funny if Arizona took receiver at six? Just take Quentin Johnston. That'd be hilarious um, for them. I, I Arizona needs just please add a premium position in the first round, Arizona. And receiver doesn't count. You got like nine of them. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it at receiver. Like this should really be where they start considering one of the tackles. It, it really sucks that Olufushanu went back to school. That is the perfect landing spot. He should be the pick there at six. He's he's obviously gone back. If you believe, if you're like, if your team don't give a crap about short arms, then it's Skaronsky at six. It really is. Or Johnson or Broderick Jones. Broderick Jones should probably be in the conversation of top tier tackle. He's got the upside. Uh, his hands are wide, but like the anchor's still pretty pretty good. Uh, he's still got to make that decision, of course. So we got to wait on that. Probably be waiting that till early January with him. But again, Arizona should be going tackle, corner, edge. Like they should be going premium position. Stop with the linebacker nonsense. Stop with the receiver nonsense. Okay, you've got enough of those. Just, mm, just, just, just add a premium position guy. I'm like trying to beg Arizona to doing that. Now I have no idea what's going to happen this off season with them. My goodness, they might tear it up. I have no clue, but they they need to be premium. Indianapolis Colts. Once again, if Bryce Young's there, take him. If not, probably take Anthony Richardson. And, I, and I'm going to say that because Indianapolis has been retreading veteran quarterbacks who all do the same thing, right? If, if Rivers, Wentz, maybe to a degree, had more mobility, but he's still, you know, isn't the same player he was pre-ACL tear in that Super Bowl season. And then they went Matt Ryan, right? That they, That's just all different. It's not It's not what – they need mobility. They've got to make the change. Anthony Richardson is the high-ceiling play. I know Ballard doesn't necessarily want to do that. Maybe he's out of the building at the end of the season. Things have not gone well. So I swing, swing Indy. Young or Richardson, swing, okay? Las Vegas Raiders at a draft take for them at this point is trenches, man, trenches. Like, Dylan Parham's been okay at guard for them. I still think they should consider Skaronsky or Johnson or maybe Broderick Jones, but it feels like it feels like there's like the ghost of Mayock is there a little bit. And to me, that what that means is Clemson defender. Simpson, Miles Murphy, Brian Brzee. I just feel in my bones right now that the Vegas is going to take a defender from Clemson at eight. That is the take. And there you go. Uh, Carolina at nine for the millionth time. Like I, Carolina's defense is is playing good football. I'm I this this is not a draft take for now, but I'm really glad they didn't trade Brian Burns away. Really glad for them. Brian Burns, Derek Brown, Jeremy Chin, JC Horn's been great. They've got pieces. Continue to build that defense out. Not in the first, because I don't think again, Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, Matt Corral. I wouldn't even worry about Matt Corral. Okay, I know they moved up for him. It could be a new GM as well. So, like, this could be Stroud. This could be the final piece where I think it's 
you know, if it's, let's just, let's think about this for a second. Say Houston goes Will Levis, Detroit takes Bryce Young. Hmm. Good job, Detroit. Uh, Indianapolis takes Richardson. This would be the Stroud landing spot, I think. I think it makes sense. I think the offensive line can get better, and they need to they need to work on doing that. But they have to get something in here in this building that's going to be able to feed the ball to DJ Moore, feed the ball to some playmakers. I think Straub makes a lot of sense as long as you're bringing in the right offensive coordinator or offensive guy to be the head coach, right? I think you're going to Straub's ceiling isn't very high compared to some of the other guys, right? You're you're looking at. Probably not even Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow can scamper. He's got some scamper to him, right? It, it still to me is is in between Goff and Prescott, in between the best version of Goff and Dak Prescott. That's where the ceiling lies for Stroud. He's just not going to be that out of out of structure operator. He isn't. He he's a little bit more old age in terms of what the quarterback position is. But I do think Carolina cannot pass up that opportunity. The Ohio State stigma is going to stay there. That's fine. Like, but Carolina, they're going to be one of those teams who kind of has to swing. If they don't, if four quarterbacks have gone, man, just I, I think they should be the team who hires D'Amico Ryans and, and just build this defense up. Get Brzee in there with Derek Brown or get Miles Murphy in there with with Brian Burns. Holy moly. Boy, you're cooking. Or you could just take, you know, you could bail on the CJ Henderson thing. Dante Jackson, take uh, Christian Gonzalez, my cornerback one at the moment, and pair him with J.C. Horn, my goodness. So take the quarterback or cook with gas on defense. Hire D'Amico Ryans. That's my official elevator pitch for Carolina. Uh, To finish up here, Atlanta Falcons at 10. I mean, they they probably should consider B. John Robinson, but they're probably more likely to take somebody. We haven't even mentioned Tyree Wilson yet, which is kind of crazy. I think Philly could be in that market. Tyree Wilson, impressive explosiveness, impressive length, you know, very disruptive type of edge rusher, you know, a little bit heavier, which kind of fits a lot of the bills, including Green Bay's. But I do think Atlanta should be in on that. Miles Murphy as well, like I've mentioned a million times to this point, like Brzee. Like they should be in on defensive players, but also they shouldn't look a quarterback or necessarily Bijan Robinson and turn away from it. Like I, I feel like I know what you're gonna say. Like Jordan Addison can kind of be that almost that Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley type player. Like that's fine to Drake London and Kyle Pitts, but like you have Drake London, Kyle Pitts. Like you want to add explosiveness to that to that roster, just look later with a Kareem Jarrett, Jaden Reed, somebody like that. Like don't you don't have to force receiver. Okay, you, you've got great pieces there. Uh, everybody can comment what they want about Drake London. When they target him, he's good. So I want to hear it. I know Christian Watson's got more touchdowns than Drake London. That's fine. That's awesome. Super cool. Um, yeah, so that's what that's, that's takes on the top 10 teams. I know it felt like a mock draft. I'm sorry if it felt like that way. Just wanted to get some takes out there on some of these guys and what they should do. And, and to not ignore the Packers completely. Let's talk about them for a few minutes here at the end of the show. Just want to talk about where I think Green Bay stands uh, with team needs and where I think they they would likely go depending on what happens the rest of the way. So if Green Bay works their way back into playoff contention and say they end up with a wild card round loss, uh, they might have a better record than Tampa Bay. So let's put them let's put them at nineteen or twenty. Nineteen or twenty kind of puts you in the range of where I kind of like to be either. I think in this draft, you want to be like top five or you want to be outside the top 20. 
uh, that that puts them in a range to you know go get somebody like Andre Carter from Army if they feel confident in him. They're probably going to be out of range of Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, but it gives you somebody like Jared Verse. So I think the Packers would definitely be in on maybe not as good defending the run as they'd like it to be, but I feel like you can probably teach that a little bit more uh, than you can teach how good he is as a pass rusher. I feel like Jared Verse would be definitely one of the guys they would consider at 2021. Again, I'm going to be singing the praises of it. It's probably not going to happen. Don't don't get your hopes up on this. But if I'm at like 20 or 21 and Jackson Smith and Jig was on the board, like that is that is not a question I need answering. I would be running up and be like, wow, you're giving us a guy who we have our potential XZ perimeter types in, you know, in Watson and Dobbs, and you're giving us Jackson Smith and Jigba. You messed up NFL. You messed up. Um, again, Green Bay, I do think needs needs help working the intermediate area of the field. And and you can never, you can't have enough players who can who can make things happen post catch. We're living in a post catch world. Make it happen, right? So I I'm gonna sing the praises of Smith and Jigba. I just don't. Michael Mayer is is a good player and would make a lot of sense for the offense. I just don't think that's what they're going to do. Tight end in the first feels like the one position that Green Bay won't do this. I'm going to say all this now because we know nothing, and they're going to select Michael Mayer in. In April, um, we can come right back to this clip. I'm going to I'm going to make sure I record that uh, and kind of hang on to it so you can roast me when they do do that. But like, that's where I kind of put them. I, I just feel like Green Bay is in the mode of they're going to either be in that 2021 20 position. They're going to get a defensive lineman near the end of their their first round board that they're going to like, whether it be a defensive tack. It may be a defensive tackle. We'll, we don't know. Like. Maybe they they'll like Jervon Dexter or something like that, uh, or maybe they they want the true nose and they feel like Clark and Lowry can flank the true nose. Maybe they Siaki because their guy in the first. I don't know, right? Or Wyatt and Clark, right? In 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 their second year, and oh my gosh, Clarkson is like seventh, right? So, but defensive line feels like a, a lot of sense there. Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M. Big, fast, strong safety feels like an option for them. Brian Branch could be in that discussion as well. So in that 2020 run range, I'm feeling more confident about taking a safety than I am in the top 15. But let's say Green Bay loses on on Monday night. I don't think they will, but let's say they lose. They go to 5-9. and nine. That could get them near the top 10. They lose to Miami. They get to 5-10. and 10. Now they're definitely in the top 10 at 5-10. and 10. And and Jordan loves playing, and they potentially lose to Minnesota and lose to Detroit. They they lose out to go five and twelve. Now you're in a position. Okay. Now you have to decide: can we get up to get Jalen Carter? Maybe we can. Carter and Wyatt back again on the same defense is is amazing. It is something they should absolutely think about. Okay. I know moving up from seven to three makes no sense to get a guy like Jalen Carter, but everybody's going to be clamoring for it. But rather, again, if they're in that position. Trading down, maybe even a little bit to find like Murphy or Wilson's floor and, and find it or Brian Brzee. Like they're going to have some options. I just think defensive line is where they're going right now. Feels like they still believe in Bakhtiari, Tom, and maybe Nyman's coming back. Or if not, they put the second round tender on Nyman. They get another second round pick if somebody else signs him. That's not a bad idea either. Uh, I feel like they're a little bit more set on the offensive line than we think they are. Doesn't mean they're not going to address it but maybe not in the first round. So 
That's where I'm kind of at at this point. I think it's going to be safe to your defensive line in the first round. But again, there's a lot of time between now and the draft. We got four months to figure that out. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But I'm going to get out of here. Hope you guys enjoyed this show. Uh, again, questions are always always welcome. You can post them on Packernet's uh, Facebook page, or you can find me on Twitter at Jake NFL Draft to ask, and I will answer any and all draft questions. Hoping to have a draft mailbag type of thing uh, every week once we get closer and closer, but we'll set up that very soon. I'm excited for all the shows that's going to be coming uh, before the draft. It's, it's my favorite time of year, and I can't wait uh, to spend it with you guys here on the Packernet Podcast. So I will catch you guys. I will get out of here, and I will catch you guys next Friday.